0: When you walk the floor of the ZeroCon exhibition in Australia, the ZeroCon event, you realize this is more than an event and Zero is more than software. This is the product itself. So, in this edition of Zero On Air, we're going to understand more about the culture because really the people of Zero are the brand. Here's a funny thing here's a brand where you will bump into somebody randomly at a networking event or at some meeting and talk about Xero, and they say, I love Xero. Now, let's put this into perspective. This is an accountancy tool, an accounting software platform for small businesses. When on earth has the word love ever been used about ledgers and accounts? Well, it is today. And it's important to understand that that is the product that zero is really selling and when you walk the floor of the zerocon exhibition i was fortunate to do that and talk to much of you know what makes up the zero experience you understand that this is the future of platforms you know platforms are all about building software as a service yet the key to that is the more that that becomes driven by data the more that that becomes driven by machine the more than that the more that becomes automated the more it shifts the focus on competition to the people. So, today we're going to talk about Zero and culture. And I'm joined by, firstly, Rod Drury. So, Rod Drury is the billionaire founder of Zero, the visionary. And he's no longer actively day to day involved in the Zero business, but he's chairman of the board. And obviously, his spirit lives on. He walks the floor of ZeroCon and he loves meeting the people of Zero. And how important that is, I've seen that in executives in all kinds of different stripes and roles within business, whether it's Tony Fernandez and Asia, or Tony Shea and Zappos. They love people and they love being around people. Rachel Powell is the chief people officer, and I know her title is longer than that, but that's the one that I want to focus on for today. Chief People Officer of Zero, and that sort of folds into marketing and culture. And it's really about How do you get the best out of your people? Because the people are the product at the end of the day. So when people talk about product development, really what we're talking about is people development. In this scene with Rachel Powell, we enjoy a a yoga lesson, thanks to Debbie, our yoga instructor, and a little bit of mindful meditation. And as much as that may, may seem to some people like a bit of a gimmick for employed in many startups along with ball pits and slides this is really about getting the best out of your people at the end of the day if your people are happy and you look after your people they will look after your customers and your partners you don't need a rule book to tell your people to do what they do every day on a on a human and authentic basis and that is be good So you'll get some insights into Rachel's philosophies about getting the most out of people in Xero, but also how that could apply to any platform. She talks about the human ripple effect and inside out, which is great. I love it when somebody names something that you've been talking about for a long time. So thanks to Rachel, we now have a name for that whole idea of people are the brand. I also spoke to Trent Innes, who is the MD of Xero for Australia and Asia. Now, I love talking to Trent because our conversations go quite deep, quite fast. And he gets to the point. He's not a man to mess around. But you understand when you talk to Trent, again, what it's about. It's about people. and It's about helping people. And he loves more than anybody else getting into the weeds of the business or the the business owner's business, the customer's business, and understanding their drivers and understanding what they're about. That kind of empathy is what... brand zero is built upon put it into context apple the most valuable tech company of all time a trillion dollars that was a retail company 63 percent of apple employees in the u.s work for the retail store and if you have a look at the retail manual for the genius crew you know those guys that walk around in the black t-shirts and say hi can i help you and you think it's an apple fan but it's not it's an apple genius crew member in that manual is the word empathy 17 times that's not a coincidence apple the brand experience is all about empathy understanding other people walking in their shoes seeing it from their perspective and that is what zero is about so let's go into that world and understand more about their culture and who are the people driving that brand experience So here we are at ZeroCon. my name is Graham Brown, we're standing in the middle of this community of thousands of people, and I'm with the man who started it all, Rod Drury. Hey Graham, nice Good to, to meet you. you, I'm glad I managed to get five minutes with you, and I've heard you've had some adventures recently, let's talk a little bit about some of your adventures. I last saw a photo of you in the Zero office in Singapore on some, it looked like a surfboard or what's the story? Well, what have you been I'll, up to?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Um, my latest thing is a flight board. F L I T E board. Uh, dot com, um, and uh, it's a electric surfboard with a about a meter long mast and foil and and electric motor. Yeah. And uh, just met the founder um, down at Tweed Heads yesterday before ZeroCon and. Um, brought a few mates over, and uh, we lent, we lent, we a flight board, which was uh, pretty exciting, flying above the water. So, what can you do on that thing? How yeah, far it, can you go on that? Yeah, well, the, the engine uh, batteries last for about an hour, so you can go exploring yeah. at speed but quietly o- over yeah. water. Just beautiful, and you are really flying, doing nice turns. So, it's a l- little bit like snowboarding on water. Oh, nice! It's great, yeah.
0: Are you a man of adventure?
1: Um, I'm, I'm like the softest man of adventure, actually. When um, heliboarding two weeks ago oh,
0: wow. and that nice. was
1: complete imposter syndrome. You're kind of looking up and you see these jagged mountains and then three minutes later you're standing on the top and the helicopter goes away, then uh, the guides oh, drop away and you're standing there thinking this is a long way from writing software Yeah. and uh, that was one of those moments where you've got to talk yourself and don't freak out, follow the trails and you'll eventually see where the run goes and then you end up having some of the best turns of your life but uh, that was pretty is it, full on.
0: I know you talked about an injury that you've got and you've got Let's talk about how you did that first, because I think it sort of sums up, you like to kind of live a little bit close to the edge.
1: I like doing adventure sports yeah. and um, now I'm not working as much, you know, finding something to do every day. So, got back into mountain biking, especially mm. with e-mountain biking, and… Um, What's
0: e-mountain bike? Is that electronically assisted? Electrically assisted, assisted but right. means
1: you're riding every day, so I've lost a lot of weight and uh, riding a lot. Now I've got a bunch of us and a bunch of good mates in our 50s all with e-bikes trying to learn how to jump. So. Uh, I saw shoulder is learning how to do drops. Did you, did I did you have everything a wrong. Spill? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of parallels between entrepreneurship and stepping outside your comfort zone a little bit. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. I love doing Ironman triathlon, I love sort of pushing it right to the edge a little bit. I feel that you've got to get out your comfort zone if you really want to experience and and just enjoy being uncomfortable. Yeah. When you started out zero, how was it for you? Because you came from a really, I I suppose a a comfortable career path, right? And then you set up on your own. Tell us a little bit about that sort of beginning.
1: You know, I'd actually been an entrepreneur, I'd done three or four businesses before. So kind of, I guess it goes really right back to um, being 15 or 16 at school. We had a fantastic uh, teacher This is when computers were first coming into school. This was um, Apple II computers, and I learned how to program. And from a you know person coming from a small set of rocks in the South Pacific, that you could actually build things with your brain yeah. and not have to work every hour. You could put your brain into something creative that made a machine that worked. That was pretty exciting. So I got hooked on software when I was at school. And um, actually, we had a really good um, accounting teacher as well. So we learned bookkeeping and double-entry accounting, and I just loved the maths of that. And um, so I'd always been interested in both those subjects and uh, worked for Arthur Young and Pam Ernst and Young. We started a software development team inside there and then uh, peeled out and created our own little business because we wanted to work for a software company but there really weren't any in uh, New Zealand. So we started our own sort of Microsoft services biz and got that up to about 60 people and sold that and, and, then, there, and then I was on my way, had a bit of capital to invest in um, building my own businesses and it got bigger and bigger and crazier. Yeah, what drives you to keep going? Uh, well, for me, it was the magic of software being able to build cool stuff. And then, um, what's been super interesting, when I uh, um, the last company I had was a business called AfterMail, an email archiving solution. And we didn't we didn't build it to build a world class business. We wanted to, you know, prove we could build a world class product. So we uh, builded this um, archiving system for Exchange, and um, ended up. Um, uh, winning best, micros- uh, best micro best product at the um, Microsoft sort of global developers conference which really showed that we could build world-class tech and yeah. that was um, probably the most satisfying thing as well as the check even more than the check was that big, complete validation that we could build you know really good technology and then um, I remember when when we got a when we got acquired and Vinnie Smith the uh, founder of quest who who, who brought us, you know, sort of looked down the back of the room and said, "Look, there's Rod from uh, AfterMail. He's a great guy and cool product." And he had to say that because he brought us. Then he turned around and talked about his business, and um, you know, and who they competed with, who'd been taken out, who they'd um, who they'd acquired, what their strategy was. So you sort of think you get up to level ten, and level eleven presents itself, and I realised I was just a pawn in his game. Right. And I thought, I want that. I want to um, actually do a public company. Where I have the capital to execute strategy, and you know, now with zero, we've done acquisitions, yeah. we've brought other companies, we've we've made other people's money, we've um, you know got staff that are paid off their mortgages and and all those things, and built this amazing community of people, which is much bigger than us.
0: Yeah, and where you are now, I know you're talking about going to level eleven, and you've. You're not not full time in zero anymore. You kind of step back.
1: No, no, I fully step back. I'm just yeah. on the board, which is still busy. But um, the execs do the thing, so I don't really yeah. speak at the events anymore. I've got to make room for them. So, you know, now now I finished that. What I'm interested in is, you know, how do you, um, you know, how do you do things kind of at the government level? Which, um, you know, because I don't I don't have to work. I've got the zero stuff going on. So. you know spending a lot of time thinking about in in my own country what are the big national strategies we Mm. should be working with and i can you know open the door and have those discussions and move things forward and um can raise money for 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 things and you know develop the thick skin over the years so you can actually stand there with um with big ideas and 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 you can take a few arrows so i'm quite enjoying that role i'm doing more and more of that and um you know, there's, you know, five to ten projects I think need to be done and just sort of working my way quietly through them, which gives me a purpose.
0: Yeah. When Rod Drury wakes up in the morning now, you're not going to work, quote unquote.
1: No. Well, what? my first thing is I've, I've um, got a few good friends around me. So, we, you know, usually go for a mountain bike in the morning or go for a surf or something like that. And then, um, you know, I've got my board meetings. Um, spending a lot of time with the kids now and uh, really enjoying that. But then, um, from a from a career point of view, it's it's is thinking about um, you know how am I supporting the zero team? Yeah. And then um, you know what are the big things that we should be working on at, at at the country level and use New Zealand as an example that other countries pick up on.
0: Yeah. Can I ask you how old are your kids?
1: Um, 11, 13, and fifteen. Right. So I'm right at the age where, like, my um, fifteen year old boy is only going to be at home for the next two or three yeah. years, and and you know, I've you know had. Probably fifteen years of my career, traveling almost every week. So uh, prioritizing them for a few years is really yeah. key.
0: Do you think they would become entrepreneurs like you? I mean, I've got a thirteen-year-old boy, and I always wonder about: Will he? You know, he'll pick up maybe through example. But how do you teach that to somebody to you know get off their butt and go and do it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really hard question. And I speak to, I ask people about that who are in similar positions to me because. Um, you know, I didn't have anything growing up, yeah. I, you know, had to pay, um, you know, did all jobs, No parents didn't give me any money, I had to pay for my own uh, education and all of those things, and that does create a bit of a work ethic, and, uh, you know, our kids live in pretty comfortable surroundings and do nice holidays and that sort of stuff, so making sure they've still got their hunger, I don't know if I've cracked that, but it's certainly something I'm very aware of, and you know, um, that's an, that's a thing that I'm, you know, continuing to question and uh, learn from other people on. That's
0: tough. Oh, yes. I was listening to Gordon Ramsay saying that when he gets, he's got five kids, when he gets onto the plane, he turns left and goes into first class, he sends all his kids to economy. Mm. He says, you can sit up here when you've earned it. Yeah. So I can imagine what people say about him. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't think it works if uh, one of them is four years old, so yeah. yeah.
0: Cool. was well, great. I mean, Rod, thanks for coming over and having a chat with us. Thank so, you. Thanks for coming all the way. Yeah. So you think you're going to be coming back here every year?
1: Oh, yeah. I love this. This is like, you know, it's a real family, the Zero community and, you know, walking around and seeing how friends have grown. And yeah. um, and it keeps them real too. Like, uh, you know, being able to, um, you know, watch the journey of our partners, our accounting partners, even our staff grow. You know, we've had staff that I, that I remember coming into the business really early who are now doing massive keynotes and getting thunderous yeah. applause. I'm super proud of that.
0: Almost rewarding. Yeah, that's what it's about at the end of the day, right? Awesome, Rob. Thank you so much. Thanks, Graham. All right, so we're back. Graham here. I'm sitting with Rachel Powell, and we are in the the, the yoga space, the yoga session area for ZeroCon. Fantastic to have you here, Thanks. and uh, looking forward to learning a bit about what you do at Zero.
3: Yeah, great. Like, and yeah, it's fun here in the well-being pod of ZeroCon. Yeah, it's great to have you here from Asia.
0: Well, you look great. I know you said you got up early this morning, yes, so I did. You're still smiling <laughs> away, so
3: I did. I didn't have a chance to do yoga this morning or go for my morning run, so maybe we can fit in do a bit Do you do of that. yoga every morning? Not every morning. I try to yeah. do it a couple of times a week.
0: Yeah, Fantastic. I do a meditation
3: every morning. You do at five thirty, yeah. And how?
0: What does that do for you? Does that reset your mind?
3: Do you know? <laughs> it's just so busy days are so busy life is so busy and I found that it's the only time that I can get time for me Mm. like without children without husband without anyone at work without anyone needing you and I just I get up half an hour before everyone else I make myself a chamomile tea I sit on the couch I do a guided meditation and then when that finishes I sit in complete silence and drink my cup of tea and that's how I start my day with me every day.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I wish every day could be like that. Oh.
3: you got to make it happen. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay, so we're with instructor Debbie. Mm-hmm. You're going to take us through the movements. What are we going to do now?
4: So we're going to do some movements and um, mindfulness techniques and breathing techniques that you can use in a workplace. Um, so you can do these anytime during the day. And we'll start with a short body scan and with some breath work just to start to feel into the body. We can get very heady in the corporate world. So just take a moment, feel your feet on the floor. Yep. Feel the lift up through the crown of the head. You can have your hands resting on your knees. If you like, let the eyes close down. And just start to draw the breath in through the nostrils. Feel it coming down through the throat, through the lungs, into the belly. It's a little pause at the end of that in-breath. And as you breathe out, the breath travels out through the throat, through the nose, out into the air. See if you can make the next breath a little longer than the breath before, drawing it in, filling all the way up the chest, the belly expands. Pause of breath. And as you exhale, let the breath travel up and out.
0: Rachel, I'm really interested in what's happening in Zero at the moment in terms of how you get the best out of people and culture. There's yep. a lot of talk at the moment in organizations about culture. yeah. And in some cases, you have the ball pit and the slide and all that kind of thing. In some places, the free beer. But I think it goes a lot deeper than that Absolutely. in how you get talent, people to perform, to feel good. What's it like in Zero? What do you do? How do you sort of get the best out of people in this business?
3: So, my responsibilities span all the human elements of zero from the inside out. So, we talk about the inside out philosophy and the reason that that... um was born, I suppose, was because we really do have a special culture at Zero, and we have something quite unique, and we have the opportunity with a really clear purpose to be able to amplify that culture and share it, mm. we call it the culture of abundance, with our partners, all our bookkeepers and accountants, who we see as a, an extension of our Zero family. And we know that together we're better, because if we bring them on that journey, they can touch many, many, many more millions of small businesses than we could ever possibly get to. So, to answer your question, how we actually make sure that we um, can do this successfully because it's one thing to talk about it and it's another thing to be able to do it. It's all pretty simple (laughs) and it's based on, I mean, it's based on a lot of things but it's based on building a positive workplace where you're encouraging people to do the best work of their lives and there's different elements that come with encouraging people to do the best work of their lives. Yesterday, I did a, a keynote um, speaking to partners and bookkeepers about the science of positive psychology, and that's really the premise of our culture, and how you bring out the best in people is around you know scientific studies that have you know qualified that this is these are the main ingredients that bring out the best. And I turned the science of um, positive psychology into an acronym that I know the accountants and bookkeepers will remember, which is EBITDA. And right. I spoke to them yesterday about the fact that I was going to talk to them about EBITDA, but not in the in the language that they. Been used to. I wasn't Mm. going to talk to them about earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. I was going to talk to them about engagement and belonging and innovation and trust and dreaming and setting goals and accomplishing things. And those six ingredients really are the foundation of what makes our culture really unique.
0: Yeah, but I bet you, you know, some people might be a little bit resistant to this, especially if I was an accountant. And somebody was talking about positive psychology. I might be feeling a little bit awkward. How do you get through that? Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to do good and feel good. But yet, when somebody's standing there, they're thinking,
3: "Sure, Tony Robbins, <laughs> and I'm going to do a me- fire walk. Me- and- yeah, it's, they're thinking, you know, Pollyanna and all of that. Well, this is why, I mean, I spent a couple of years studying um positive psychology. I did a master's in positive psychology hmm. because I wanted to make sure that I had the right facts and evidence rather than it being all polarana Like yeah. I had a hunch that this was really the, going to be the, things, the thing that was going to propel businesses forward in the age of disruption. Where well, you don't have time to micromanage people because things are moving Absolutely. so fast. So, it's about setting a clear purpose and then making sure you're recruiting people that believe in that purpose. Yeah. And then importantly – Getting them to play to their strengths. So to answer your question, how, like I see behind every pessimist is an opportunity for hope. Because using the science and using the statistics, and I used a few of these yesterday from scientific studies. So this is not like made up. It's, you know, for example, strengths. We know strengths in organizations Uh, the single biggest way to make the biggest difference for your own individual well-being and for the productivity Mm. of the organization. People that leverage their strengths, which are things that they know that they do well and that they're energized by, and you're energized by communicating with people and you're great at doing podcasts, so you're playing to your strengths you're six times more likely to be pro- um, productive doing what you're doing than somebody who's not energised, which makes sense, right? It's not it's not rocket science. And then the other component to strengths that's a really powerful statistic is that in the performance review process, there's a lot of studies that have gone on across multiple organisations and in, when managers talk to employees about the things that they do really well and they want them to do more of, productivity in that team increases by 36%. Whereas if they have the same experiment and they talk about in a performance review review about all the things they want you to work on that you're not so good yeah, at.
0: your weaknesses.
3: You leave and 24% mm. drop in productivity. So get people playing to the strengths, make sure that there's a really clear purpose and keep humans at the heart of, of all the decisions that are made is a f- is the basic you know premise and philosophy of our inside out
0: approach. It's quite radical, isn't it? If you think where we've come from in the world of business, if you go back even a generation, it was all about branding, and this is the brand story, and you could then outsource that to an agency to create this story. And yet what we're saying with zero, for example I know you're not big advertisers this is the advertising, like this kind of interaction, me sitting with you. Yep. you're the brand. It's my experience of zero. It's authentic, it's human. Mm. And everybody that touches zero and the people, that's the experience that they have. And in, in that way, that becomes the marketing and the communication and the brand itself and If you trace that all back, that starts with recruitment, as you say
3: absolutely and I
0: feel that the people you pick become the brand and become how people experience zero. so how you recruit people and nurture the best talents and focus on their strengths becomes like the future of marketing I think that 's what companies need to look at what 's happening here in zero, say so look at how they look after the people, yep. how they culture the talent and nurture it, sorry, and how they Get the best out of people.
3: Absolutely. They're your biggest ambassadors. And that's why I think, you know, this inside-out philosophy has this – amplification effect when you think about the human ripple effect if you can get it right on the inside and you can get your 3,000 employees that work for you coming to work every day feeling like what they're doing has meaning and purpose most of them have some affinity with small business so they've either worked in small business their families have like we test for all of that in interview stage so that we make sure that people are really clear on our purpose and our values if you can get that right on the inside then they are your brand like to your point it's a great point because the evolution of marketing is no longer like we put something out and somebody digest, digests it. With social media and with you know, the proliferation of communication, like you only need one or two bad messages yeah. out there and it can completely wipe exactly. off any return on investment on any above-the-line advertising campaign. So we've seen that it's our people that are our silver bullet, but we go one step further than that because we have this partner community and you only have to be at a zero con to feel how – They want to be part of this too. Mm. Like they go, we want to be part of your story and we actually can't do what we want to do, which is improve the lives of millions of people in small business and the communities in which they serve without those partners. So you, you think about the human ripple effect. It starts with your purpose at the core. You surround your purpose with the people that are passionate and have a vocation to that purpose and then the next layer of that onion is the brand platform yeah. because that is the communication vehicle from the inside starting to communicate with the outside then you've got your partners they you know they feel the love and and want to be part of that purpose as well then they touching the the small businesses and the, they're in the broader community so you just think about like the statistics and we've actually mapped this out in terms of how many small businesses around the globe that we can touch so we've got 3000 employees then we've got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of bookkeepers and accountants that use our mm. product and love it and they are touching millions and millions and millions of small businesses Absolutely. and we have we're only just starting so you know it's really it's a really powerful effect
0: yeah i feel it yeah. i feel the energy <laughs> as well i'm just thinking as well if i'm an accounting partner and you know what do i do monday morning That the challenge is that somebody can easily take this on the surface and not apply it fundamentally within the organization. Like what you're talking about is deep change, isn't it? Deep work within people. You can't just maybe just put the ball pit in the office and that suddenly makes everybody happy. You know, I'm thinking, do I do yoga classes? And I'm kind of not comfortable with that maybe as an accountant. Where, Where do you start with this? What's the quick wins in all of this?
3: So, this is why I think for anything, all you've got to come back to a common, um, some sort of framework that they can hang off. And that's yeah. why turning it into EBITDA is a message they can hang off. So, you know, and I talked about that there's no one element of EBITDA. So, it's not engagement, it's not innovation, it's not accomplishment on its own. It's the combination of all of them. And there's some really small tactical things, but it's definitely not running a yoga class once a week or putting a basket of fruit in the kitchen and going, tick, we're done. It's a bit like... Um, Uh, going to the dentist once a year Mm. and hoping that you're going to have perfect teeth. If you don't brush your teeth every day, you're not going to have perfect teeth. So, it's how you can embed these things in the culture of your business so it's systemic and it's not a chore or an add-on or a program. It is who you are. So, for example, you know, the way that you recruit people, you start with that. So, you look through the whole life cycle of your business from, you know, the moment someone comes into your business either as a customer or an employee and what you want that to feel like Mm. because… It's the feeling that people are going to remember. It's not what you said to them. So you've got to start with that and then you've got to work through every single part of the business and say, how can we embed some of these practices in? So let me give you some examples. So... You know, with respect to recruitment, making sure you're really clear on what it, what is your purpose and making sure that it's a two-way conversation. You're testing this person for their skills and their aptitude and their um, their ability to be have an affinity with that purpose, but they're equally testing you. So not being this kind of, I'm testing you and it's my yeah. call if you want to come here. It's your call if you want to come here too. So let's have an open conversation about what it is that we're about and make sure that this is going to fit for you because that's then playing to your strengths. So testing for that, then um, diversity inclusion is really important and making sure that there are some things that you're looking at with respect to diversity and inclusion. And I would say inclusion is the more important word in that sentence Mm -hmm. because you can bring a whole lot of diversity to the table, you know, different... um, Uh, different backgrounds different genders different religions different race you can bring all of that to the table but if people aren't feeling like they they can be their authentic self then it's really just a statistical game so if people can be their true self then you're really going to get the most out of them because they're not going to be spending energy thinking um, trying to be who they think they should be they're going to be themselves so really looking at, at diversity and what are the things you're doing to make sure that you're creating an inclusive environment i had this question yesterday from a a bookkeeper in the audience who asked me um, after the presentation, I run a bookkeeping service and a lot of my, I, you know, I try and support um, people who want work-life flexibility. So we have a lot of people that work remotely. How can I embed some of the things that you're talking about? And I just used a couple of simple examples for her. And I said, look, if you, it's great that you're doing that because you're really subscribing to diversity inclusion because flexibility is a component of that but maybe just run a morning tea so bringing rituals to mm. the the culture so whether it's a monthly morning tea and bring all of your remote workers together for you know f- last friday of the month we'll get together at ten thirty and have cupcakes or have fruit or have right. whatever it is and this is
0: important isn't it because increasingly we do live in sort of virtual teams don't we and we don't have that sort of structured communication or unstructured communication exists. I can't sort of reach over and say, hey, what you're working on. But I if you can bring people together to actually talk and communicate.
3: High quality connections is it's it's so it's the fundamental component of, of individual well being. Everyone wants to be part of something that's yeah. bigger than themselves. Yeah. And unfortunately we live in a world where the technology has meant that we can swing the pendulum too far the other way. Mm. But I can tell you we give people a lot of you know flexibility at zero. And I've worked in organisations before where that's happened and you don't see a lot of people. People want to be, they want to be in the building. They want to be with, with other people. So I think that high quality connections and, you know, even the science around the positivity ratio, and this is fascinating. So for every negative and neutral interaction you have with somebody that you work with, you have to balance that with three positive interactions to have a positive relationship with them. Mm. so you got to remember that when you and as a leader for every team that you manage the ratio has got to be six to one so every time you say to the team something that is you know negative or neutral you've got to make sure that you're constantly kind of looking at you know what's going right not just looking at what's going wrong
0: great advice Mm. Rachel Powell a shining light of positivity <laughs> here in the world of beautiful business. Thanks for sharing the, uh, yoga, the yoga class with us today. It was awesome, wasn't it? Well, if we could yeah. start our
3: day like that, every day we'd be very I feel quite very stiff
0: zen. though. I feel like I should really be more flexible.
3: Oh, you need to come and do this I yoga should. class like yeah. this afternoon, tomorrow morning again before we get on the plane. Yeah,
0: no excuses. No excuses. Thanks a lot for sharing your insights as well today. I really enjoyed it. And I think it's very positive and some great stats in there as well. Looking forward to hearing you speak as well. I so. oh,
3: look forward to it. Thank you. It's great to have you here, Graham.
0: All right, this is Graham. We're in the podcast booth, joined by Trent. Trent, end. Thanks for
2: joining us. Yeah, good to see fa- you again. It's fantastic to be here. A bit of background noise. It's uh, clearly towards the end of the day, and I think we've. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a few beers floating around, and it's time. Uh, I heard it's time for the accountants and bookkeepers to let their hair down a little bit and relax. Yeah, there's a good vibe here, isn't there? It's a great then, vibe.
0: We were chatting off air that this really I feel I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel this is the product that Zero sells effectively at the end of the day is the fact that people belong to something and people want that at the end of the day rather than accounting software. I mean accounting software is the tool within that
2: whole sort of ecosystem that you've built. I don't I don't know whether it's the product we sell or not. What I would it's almost like a byproduct that's become the primary product. Yeah. So the byproduct of what we sold originally created a community. By its very nature, because if you look at what Zero really is at its heart, it's a collaboration platform that connects people together on, on a set of yeah. shared financial information. And so by its very nature, that's actually created a community around it. And, and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sole practitioner accountants out there. There's a lot of bookkeepers who work by themselves who didn't really have any community apart from their clients. And this has given them a, commu- a community. Yeah. And so they're kind of hanging out with the other cool kids or the cool accountants and bookkeepers. And it's actually created a community. So I think the bi- it's a byproduct that created the community, but in some ways it's made, it's probably one of our biggest assets.
0: Yeah, because I, I would have thought in your space as well, there was a time when you were cloud, the other guys were CD, and now yeah. everybody's caught up now. So the actual technical differences become less and less over time. Yet, the only differentiator between you and the next guy now is your relationships. You know, what my sort of experience of you interacting with you and the team and the same with your partners as well. So that then becomes your moat, if you like, of zero. This becomes almost like the brand, the experience, everything about Xero. We interact with you offline.
2: This becomes a differentiator between you
0: and everybody else.
2: You know, I think as you wander around here, you see you've obviously got zero. then you've got the the marketplace or the ecosystem, and then you've got the partners around the outside of that, being the, being the accountants and bookkeepers. When you put that all together, that is kind of the big. That's the community, and that's so it's much, much bigger than just zero. Zero's zero's kind of like the focal point or the you know, or the heart of it. If it, maybe the heart of it's a good way to say it. Yeah, I think the heart is a good word to use. And then around the outside of that, you've basically got all these other all these other communities that have grown around the outside of that. And I think that's that's the differentiator. And you know, whether whether that was by, by design, it may well have been because I mean, Rod Drew is a very clever guy. And he might, it might have been by design. But the reality is, it's just, I think we've tapped into something that wanted to be let loose, but it hadn't yeah. been let loose before. I think that's basically what this is. And it's um, and walking around here. It's such a great vibe. It's, an amazing, it's a, I, 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 love, I love Zero Con just because our partners come here and celebrate being accountants and bookkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> Who ever would have thought that? Because you were an accountant originally. You were qualified. I am qualified.
0: I am a would CPA. I you thought you'd been celebrating that? in these kind of conditions, in the t-shirt and jeans? Well, I
2: said that today, actually. Um, you know, I did my keynote earlier this morning, and uh, I got to choose the song that I chose that when I walked on the stage, and I uh, chose Eminem, uh, Lose Yourself. And I thought... That in a t-shirt, a with an accounting degree, <laughs> who would who would have ever thought that was happening? I told my, I was, I said this on stage. Actually, I was telling her, I was telling my uh, my teenage daughters. I was using that song, and they were just like, "You should choose something from your ear, Dad. I think that's not right <laughs> for you at all." But but I, you but, co-opted it. But I, I hope, but I hopefully I pulled it off, and I uh, and I'll, I'll send them a video later on and make them suffer through it. <laughs> I love that, Dad, embarrassing his kids. Um, you you started out as employee number four in Zero? No, that's not true. About number 30. Oh, 30, sorry. About number 30. About number 30 in Australia. Oh, in Australia. Okay, so... Yeah, so re- I was probably... I'm not sure exactly, but it's about was about 30 in Australia, number 31, 32. Oh, you are
0: like th- in the sort of the early team.
2: Yep. Above the plumbing supplies shop. Is that right? Did uh, I get my details that's, on? No, that's the first time that I actually went... And, the first time I actually found anything out about Zero. So the, the previous managing director, a guy, guy by the name of Chris Reed, who I've known for a long time, he's actually here, by the way, wandering around as well. He, he rang me and said, mate, you should you should come and check out this company. I was working for Microsoft at the time. said, so you should come and check out this company You know that I'm MD at. And I went and checked it out and it was basically seven people above a plumbing repair right. shop. And that was in 2011, 2012. Yeah. Uh, and basically, um, there's a talk in the corner. that was shared by everyone. The desk were all around the outside. There was no pool table, no table tennis table, none of that. It wasn't your, your well-funded tech startup there. <laughs> it probably was overseas, but... Uh, in Australia, it was. It was very much back a small office. Yeah. And, that's, and that's all it was. Right. And, um, you know, to see what it's grown to today is, is, is just is phenomenal. But when you saw it back then, especially having worked for
0: Microsoft, yep. you must have looked at that and thought, who are these jokers? Like, they're just yeah. a, sort of a small
2: Bob and pop outfit. There was a bit of that. And then I I thought about it for a little bit. And I did actually end up joining for about 18 months after that. So it took me a little while to actually be convinced to join um, and when the, opportunity, the right opportunity came up. But I also... um. I did actually sign up to the product and I signed up to the product and I went and so being an accountant deep down I looked at it straight away and I went this is bloody amazing yeah. they've, they've done something here that's completely different they've tapped into a wave of technology through that was that was when mobility was really starting to take off because it's really only five years after the iPhone came come out then they'd tapped into um, into the into the, the wave of the cloud and it was a collaboration platform that did accounting on top Yeah, whereas all the competitors did accounting and then tried to add collaboration and they kind of it doesn't sound like a big difference, yeah, but it is. It's fundamental. It's fundamental. Because this is what a, you
0: become, hasn't it? I mean, it's what you become. you yeah. become a
2: collaboration platform. So that's actually where the communities, I think, come out of. And just being able to see, I could see where it could go. Uh, and also, you know, at the price point it was at, the reality is technology has been very hard for small business. It's been hard. It's, it's let them down. It's been really hard. They haven't been able to compete because they couldn't spend tens yeah. of thousands of dollars. The cloud has completely democratized technology and they've now got better access to technology that's more readily available, more easy to deploy than, than big business does. In fact, they've almost spoke for choice now. Yeah, and They can sign up, have a go at something. If they don't like it, move move to the next one. And, yeah. some, and there's you know even, even look at this ecosystem around you with over 800 apps around the outside of zero. There's almost an app for everyone. And if there's not one and there's enough demand, somebody will build it. Yeah, we're all almost in a situation now where large
0: companies are looking at smaller companies, and with envy that their access to technology, because now it's easier for them to adopt and yeah. implement, right? Absolutely. And where in the old days, it was you had to have an IT department on it. Yeah. Now you can just have one guy clicking a button, like you say, signing up for free.
2: Well, it's basically a service now, isn't it? It's now, yeah. it's now a service. It's actually not, I mean, the technology, we, we, we take care of the technology. They don't need to see the technology. It's basically a service that they sign up for, they, they pay for what they use. You know, and, uh, and if they don't like it, they can move on to something else really quickly. So you
0: must be conscious that the the ongoing challenge is that Zero has been phenomenally successful. And you ha- now have this sort of strange problem, which is that you have cash, you have, you know, success and a brand. How do you retain that hunger of the, the team above the plumbing supply shop? Because in the DNA... It's a good question. You know, how do you... How do you, without sort of starving your people, there must be a fine balance because you must be treading this fine line all the time. What's sort of in
2: your mind when you're thinking about this? Well, I think we've actually maintained, I don't like using the word culture. I think the word culture, if you have to talk about culture, it normally means it's gone because culture is an output of purpose, values, and behaviors, you know, and and I think that the culture comes out from that. When you start running culture workshops, you're in a whole world (laughs) of pain. I think so... So that's 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 a really personal view of mine. So, but I think oh, value, right. value scale, behaviour scale, they scale really well, and purpose scales. And so, I think we've managed to maintain that. We've never really lost about why we exist. Um, you'll see people call out people internally around around values, and then within those values, people can operate within those boundaries, and so they've still got freedom to move. Yeah. And that's where innovation comes from. Innovation comes from within, from not tying people down too hard in, in their roles you want to give them because innovations you need to get a little bit of innovation out of everybody you can't just have as soon as you have I have a strong view as well as once you've got an innovation department you're in no, no, trouble it, as well
0: yeah or a manager yeah. whose title has innovation in it yeah, yeah, yeah
2: I agree I, yeah so no. I'm, I'm all for that as well I think you would be trouble then as well it's kind yeah. of like a innovation's a mindset exactly it's not a it's not a department yeah yeah and I think so so I think that's how we kind of make, we maintain and I, hope, and I hope you see that walking around I hope as you interact with our staff and, and our teams, you actually see that there are. Um, you should see some consistency about yeah. them. You know, we've, we've hired a lot of. Our, we haven't hired traditional salespeople. We've hired. You know, we used to hire. Uh, we still hire lots of uh, lots of accountants with personality and bookkeepers with personality who actually don't don't actually want to maybe work in the accounting or bookkeeping industry anymore. Yeah. But they they love it and they are passionate I can I can teach them to sell. Yeah. Anyone can teach them to sell, but I can't teach them passion for this industry. Absolutely. Because you you
0: come from that world as well you were an accountant who learned to sell, yeah. and I think it's a it's a strange beast in the corporate progression, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is not it That you could have gone on and become an accountant and a partner and run yeah. your own practice and so on.
2: Why, why, why the hell did you take up sales? So I didn't do accounting for a very long time. I did it for a short period of time in my career, but I still, I actually I actually genuinely do love accounting. There's something magical about accounting. I talked about that in my keynote today. There's something magical about it balancing and it being quite beautiful. Um, this is my career progress I actually went into more technology uh, more, more technical fields for a while as well so did a bit of, did a little bit of programming did some database management did implementations did all that and then I thought um, I mean, the true story as funny I was actually at Microsoft when I realized that I needed to learn sales and marketing if I wanted to progress my career yeah. so I needed to work on how to do that so I went to a pre-sales role that turned into a sales role which turned into a sales leader role and and, and, and off I went from there
0: yeah that you're putting yourself in uncomfortable. Yeah. Positions. I, like, as a, I a, quite like being uncomfortable though. Yeah, as a matter of choice. Yeah, but I think that's, I think most, don't most entrepreneurs do that all the time? Yeah, absolutely. Do you <laughs> consider yourself an entrepreneur even though you, you uh, operate within a large corporation now? Well, is it a mindset rather than
2: a role or a job title, if you like? So, look, I would, I probably do consider myself, I think, I mean, I, I think I have a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset. I, yeah. I like to, I don't like the status quo. You know, I always think we can go faster and harder. Yeah. Um, and I also always think there's better ways to be doing things. And so we should always be challenging ourselves. Yeah. So having that challenger mindset is something that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about.
0: Yeah. And you can teach it as well and give people the green light to think like that. Yeah. I mean, Steve yeah, was saying
2: like he wants people to reach
0: out to him and say... Yeah. Tell me what's broken.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. want to hear the bad news. Well, yeah. And that is one of the th- that, that is one of the challenges you, do. you get. Bigger people tell you good news. Yeah. It's like, whoa, yeah. it's yeah, great. Yeah.
0: Especially in a place like this where there's a lot of good news. Yeah. yeah. great.
2: But you actually need, you do need the bad news as well, but there yeah. are ways of getting bad news. So if it's not coming through, is that, I mean, social media will tell you good and bad news. And so you, you can be plugged into your clients these days in real time. So we talked about the communities before, about the community around this. So there's some amazing Facebook groups that exist around zero. There's like thousands and thousands of members, which are our partners, yeah. who are on there all the time. And they give us the good, the bad, and the ugly all the time. And I read that, I read those every day. I make sure I read them every every night. For I spend 10, 15 minutes reading them and just see, and I don't always respond, I will if I have to, but it's more about just actually getting a pulse on what's actually happening yeah. out there in the community. Yeah, walking the shop floor in the old school of right? well, yeah. of I can't go and visit every partner, of course, because yeah, we've got yeah. too many of them. But I can get an update from them, um, That way. And so it's just just enough to know what's going on.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. And thanks for inviting us down here as well. And I just want to sort of follow up. We had a a chat the last time we were in Singapore. We did. And um, so your daughter's quite entrepreneurial, I hear, right? What's the update on that? Because I I think in that story, a bit of backstory to it, but in that story,
2: you're sort of showing that entrepreneurialism is something that you can kind of culture and nurture in somebody. What's so what's going on? So I think my middle daughter will definitely become an entrepreneur of some some description. So she's uh, she's got a baking company at the moment. So she makes cupcakes. She's fifteen. So she makes cupcakes and sells them for a variety of different things. So, but she's also got some other ideas at the moment around, around a uh, around a platform that she's, well, I won't give too much away. Platform. She'll, she'll, <laughs> she'll hit me. But she's got a platform idea that she's working on at the moment wow. for something that she thinks is a really a really good idea. But but you know, most Is she using those words platform? Yeah, yeah you she put, does that in, No, no, no. She uses that word. Um, but they teach it at school to a degree as well now, which is quite good. Right. She, at her school they give her some yeah, you know, they cool. do entrepreneurial studies, which is quite cool. I'm not sure you can yeah. teach it, but that's all right. That's a different issue. Yeah. But you look at most great entrepreneurs, most of them have failed a couple of times. So the so baking cupcakes is probably not going to be the thing that'll scale. This may, next one, maybe it may not be. Yeah. But she's got that mindset. She's only fifteen, and so she's 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 working through it, which is cool. That's great. And I imagine like when that generation goes into the
0: workplace not all of them will want to start their own businesses but they want to mm. be you know working in an environment
2: where they can do that kind of stuff and have the resources maybe or well, have the choice yeah and have the choice I mean um, you know I think I mean, one of the things I'm most sort of proud of is as Zero's grown in this part of the world I mean obviously you know really a really well respected company from, from New Zealand and our heritage will always be in New Zealand you know sort of quickly expanded into into Australia and, and you know has real true global presence now um, we need a, we need other tech companies from this part of the world to get to scale and become yeah. global companies. You know, I want, it's, I want my kids to have really cool, exciting jobs and opportunities. Absolutely. And you know, so that's something I'm pretty passionate about. I've got to work out how I can actually sort of utilize some of the things I've been able to gain from here to help that longer term because it's something I, I think that, it, that could be a good legacy to have, I think. Awesome. Well, I think it's a great sign-off. It is. All the best. And um, Man, it's a
0: pleasure. Thank you so much for coming down. Yeah, no, I had a lot of fun and we had some good conversations as well. We enjoyed and, uh, well, and look out. What's the space? Uh, was it, is it cloud-based cupcake platform? Or,
2: I, mean, uh, I, I won't give too much more away. I'll get myself in a whole world of pain if you ever listen. <laughs> I can't give away her IP. You've been
0: listening to Zero On Air with Rod Drury, Rachel Powell, and Trent Inns. Find out more on how cloud accounting can help you achieve success at zero.com. My name's Graham Brown. Thank you for listening.